This is Blue Collar Culture, where you don't need ping pong tables, a cereal bar, or nap pots to attract and retain real A players. Join us where we speak with down-to-earth leaders that understand what it takes to win with a blue collar culture. Now here are your hosts, Jeremy McLiver and Ryan England. Hey, Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. So you've been doing this a long time. You've been in the construction space for a long time, and I know that you have a wealth of knowledge to share with our listeners today. So before we get to all that, though, tell me, in your opinion, what is the biggest myth in your industry that you want to shatter for our listeners right now? I'll say that recruiting, onboarding, and retention are business activities. Before we went live here, we said that that was marketing activities, which they very much are, but they're very much business activities. And we can't just hire a bunch of people, do our onboarding, and then hope for the best because that's really when the work starts. Yeah. I mean, if they do onboarding, right? (laughs) (laughs) I was giving everyone the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. But onboarding is not making sure they fill out their I-9W2 and they've got all their new hire paperwork done. (laughs) That is not onboarding. That's right. Um, Yeah. So it is interesting. So they're business activities. I mean, it's something that you need to focus on. You need to think about it. It's something your leadership team should be discussing, talking about, strategizing, planning. I mean, all of that stuff. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah. This is an ongoing activity. It's also decentralized, meaning that it should be everybody in your company should be contributing to this in some way, shape or form. So your employees or your team members that you have should be helping to recruit other people that they might know. They should be willing because you have such a great culture to do a testimonial of their experience in working in your brand. So it goes all the way, I don't like to say up and down on an organizational chart, I like to say left. So all the way side to side on your organizational chart, like everybody should be focused on this for sure. I love that. I do a lot of public speaking and I survey the audience. I'm like, how many people do you have that are responsible for recruiting? And someone will own a 400 employee shop and they'll be like, three. I'm like, no, you should have 400. Yeah. (laughs) like 400 is your answer. So for those of you listening, it's a trick question. When somebody asks you how many people you have responsible for recruiting, it should be your head count. How many (laughs) people you have on your team. Exactly. Um, So this is important. You'd mentioned that it's a business activity. And I think you said that because not everybody believes that. So what do you think it is that keeps people from treating this recruiting and retention as a business activity? What's holding them back? Specifically in residential construction, I would say it's just the volume of stuff that's like going on a daily basis. It's very easy to, I need somebody, put out a job description, get a resume or a few, shortlist it, hire somebody, and then be able to focus on the next thing. And so I think it's really just the busyness and and probably a lot of lack of systemization and process-oriented work that they do in their business. Wow. Yeah. And I know that you and I have a passion for process and getting these things in here. And I tell people all the time, the process isn't for you. Is for your people. <laughs> like yeah. they need the process. So you mentioned that they've got all of these things and it's the stuff. Like I, okay, you said that it's just the stuff. And heck, we were even talking here. It's just one of those days. Like, how often does that come up? I'll tell yeah. you, I talked to a lot of people in the construction space, like, can't meet today. Like, why not? We had an emergency. Oh my gosh, everybody okay? Oh, everybody's fine. We just had this other thing that we call an emergency. So what are some actions that our listeners could take to break through this wall and start 
thinking about people and this process and all of that? What are some things that you'd recommend for them? There's a ton here. I think the big thing is just understanding that can't just be almost predictable in that when all of a sudden I need somebody, I've got to go and find somebody and then hope for the best once I quote unquote onboard them. I think part of it is prioritizing your workflow. So if we go into like business side of things, we want to take the right opportunities. We want to get super clear about what we sell, who we sell it to and how we succeed as a company. We were talking before we went on here about things that get measured, get improved. And I think a lot of business owners aren't stopping to take a breath to actually think about their business, which is really working on your business and understanding that like this machine will just keep going if you just allow it to, if you just keep kicking the can down the road, it's just going to keep going down the road and nothing's really going to change. So Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is taking stock, taking a pause to think about your business, recognizing where you guys succeed as business owners, but as a team, and then making sure that you can actually dedicate some time to focusing on this huge aspect of your business, because I always say you can't do it alone. And if you could, there are contractors out there working by themselves. They've worked by themselves for 20, 25, 30 years, whatever it is, but there's a ceiling. And for some people, that's fine. They want to be there, but they're sick. They get COVID. They're not at work. They're not earning. And so it's not really a business. It's more like you're just an employee for the people that hire you. So yeah, that's what I would say. Okay. All right. Yeah. And I've met some people like that. I met a guy who was just at a trade show and he goes, I used to have 22 people on my team. He goes, I got rid of all of them. I went just by myself. He goes, I make more money. I have more freedom. Life is so much better, but he's got a job. If he yeah. gets sick or he gets hurt and he's out for six weeks, like work's not getting done. So that's right. I totally get that. So you had said there are a whole bunch of things that they can do and to really figure this out. And, and I think that mindset component of it was what I heard you say, like, that's a big piece of it. You got to start thinking differently about how you solve this problem. You got to think differently about the way you do your business. So give us some pointers, like what are some things that we can do to make that shift and start building these processes and start having this machine that helps us with our people? The first thing that I tell everybody is without time, none of it's going to be possible. So you have to find a way to limit yourself from doing probably the, I don't know, 60 to 70 things a week that you shouldn't really be doing, let's say as a business owner. So if you are running a small business and you are running around and picking up material, you are running around and on the job site and you're the center, you're like that center hub of your business, it's going to be very hard for you to replace yourself and actually take this time to dedicate on focusing on the bigger picture. So there's no blue magic pill, but what I would say is that you pick off a few low hanging fruits, look into the organization, all the people that you have, who is someone, if you don't have anybody that can be like basically viewed as a supervisor, someone that can actually help you to get the production side of things done so that you're not running around to every single job site every single day. Don't run around and pick up equipment. Don't run around and pick up material. There are tons of services and all major cities across the US and the Canada that do this, all of your suppliers will do this for you. So don't run around and do that. Don't convince yourself that you need to do that. Don't sit on your email inbox, set specific alignments with your clients in terms of the communication that you do with them, set specific days that you actually go and meet with clients so that you're not just doing it as an ad hoc sort of service. The big idea here is you've just got to respect and protect your own time, because if you don't, then someone else will basically use it for their own agenda. 
So this is one of the huge things. So there's a lot of things that I could say here about what to do, but those are some of the big ones I would say for sure. Yeah, that protecting the calendar and protecting your time and carving it out for the things that are the most important. I still struggle with that. It's it's (laughs) difficult. So we're not saying that some of these things are easy, but I do think that something really important here is progress is more important than perfection. Totally. It's important that just even if you could just find an hour a week to start, that would be a great place to start. Now we're going to need more than an hour a week, I'm sure, but at least starting somewhere and protecting that time. And one of the things that I've learned, and I've seen this happen over and over again, especially in construction, is those things that really think that you really think are super urgent aren't really yeah. always that urgent. That's exactly it. So picking up that shoring jack or that set of scaffold and running to a job site, like we think it's important. It's just urgent. It's not important. It's just yeah. urgent. And it really what it's telling us is that we didn't plan well. And yeah. we probably aren't also releasing some of that Darth Vader grip I like to talk about on our business and trusting people in our organization, allowing them to take those things off your hands and just start to release some of that grip. I always say that the people around you are incredibly smart and they have a lot of value to help you run your business if you're willing to listen to them. I suffered from this for years. So once I finally understood this and got it, it was game changing for me. Wow. And that is true. I hear people tell me all the time, I can't go to my team with this because they won't know how to solve it. I'm like, they're the ones doing this all day, every day. You're going to have ideas you never even thought were possible. (laughs) And you might blow your mind. And if you solve it for them, there's no accountability or buy-in because they weren't part of that solution. So ask them and involve them in the solution because that's how you actually build accountability. We're both, we talk to our clients all the time about recruiting and how important these things are, but time and time again, especially the last decade, this new generation that's in the workforce, they want these opportunities to Mm. earn and to take on new responsibilities and to grow in their career. Like they want these things. They're not really good at communicating it and telling you they want them. But every survey I've ever seen in the last decade says they want it. So letting them make these decisions and maybe even letting them fail on occasion so that they can learn and they can grow and then you don't have to worry. And after a while that you're going to see that, oh, wow, they know how to make these decisions and make things move forward. I love it. Yeah. It's this idea of controlled failure is what I call it. So picture a road with like grassy side shoulder kind of thing and Mm -hmm. just fields on the left and right side. And in general, you're going down the road of business and people start to sometimes get a little off track, right? They all of a sudden tires on like the gravel and then soon enough, they're going to be on the grass. What you're trying to do is just give them some guardrails of safety. So just nudge them back on the path. So that is the support. That is maybe some tools and tactics, but make it low stakes. So give them the ability to grow. It's just like you're coaching kids on a soccer team. You want to give them encouragement just a little bit here and here, and you can't be too hard on them, obviously, and just yell at them because they don't understand. The idea is just give them a little bit that they can be successful in and continue to build on that. Yeah, it makes total sense hearing you talk about this. And I'm already picturing a couple of people saying, you know what, though, it's just faster if I do it myself. Yeah, it's just quicker if of course I do it, it is. myself. <laughs> I don't disagree, but that's the exact low hanging fruit. That is the quagmire. That is the trap we all get into where I could spend five minutes doing this, or I could spend 30 minutes teaching somebody. But the thing is, if I take the 30 minutes, maybe it's not going to be only one session that I do it. It may be two or three sessions to do it. I never have to do those tasks again. And that's all the urgent, but not important stuff that's in your business. So that's all the site communications, picking up materials, picking up equipment, shuffling your team calendar, and all those things can be done by other people. It doesn't have to be you doing it. 
So any tips on how to break through that and start that process? Because I hear it takes me five minutes to do it. I sit down 30 minutes a couple of times. That's a future problem for me yeah, to yeah. deal with. I kick yeah. the can down the road. Like you said, you just eventually, you just, the can's further down the road. Any tips, any advice you have for our listeners on how to break through that so that they don't get stuck in that? Yeah, I think there's two things I would say. The first is you need a right-hand person and every mm. business owner needs this. So you need a right-hand person. And then the second thing, is start to document it as you do it. And this is probably going to be the hardest thing for any human being to do because it's the most unnatural sort of behavioral heuristic that we have or pattern to change our psychology. We're just meant to go through and do the process and be done with it as opposed to mm. pausing at every single step and documenting the steps that I need to take. So it can be a very simple like Word file, Google Doc, Google Sheet, whatever format you want to put it in. But just every time you do something, just start to write what the steps were. If there's a hyperlink to a platform that you're using, put the hyperlink in there. If there's something that you know very well, but you can imagine that someone doing it for the first time might get tripped up on, take a moment and write a short paragraph explaining what it is and how they get around it. Progress over perfection, or as I like to say, done is better than perfect. And remember that it's never going to be perfect. There's no such thing as perfection. Yeah. That's a myth I can shatter for sure. But just getting started is really the important thing. Let's go back for a second to the right-hand person. Every business owner needs this because you can't pass. You hear that everyone has a different way of spinning this, but the re most recent one is, does your business pass the phishing test? This is like the new buzz term that's going around social mm. media. The idea being, could you leave for two weeks and go fishing and your company would run without you thing? And this is why you need a right-hand person because you rarely be able to actually do that without being able to vacation as opposed to checking in every single day, checking your email every single day and making sure that everything's going well. That hits home with me just so personally right now. I just got back from this trade show and I ended up with COVID and I was down for six days. And if I didn't mm. have somebody that could cover for me and take care of the clients, take care of the business, run the thing, yeah. we'd probably still be in business, but it would have been <laughs> ugly once I really got back and had to deal with everything. Exactly. Um, so I totally get that. Yeah, I love that. I love fishing. So taking two weeks off to go fishing, it's, it's important. Yeah, for sure. So, so what's something else they can do to break through this wall that's holding them back? This thing where they, this belief that I'm the only one that can do it, or I don't need the process, or I'm the only one that can recruit. I can't trust anybody else. Like these are all beliefs. That's right. So yeah. what are some other tips or maybe another tip that you have for our listeners to help them break through this? Yeah, maybe this will help. I have a client and we were talking about one of his team members and this team member I would say he has a bit of a short fuse at times. Okay. And I think we've all possibly been in a business or been acquainted with someone that has that. And one day he just kept saying, this guy sucks and that guy sucks. And he's going on and on and on about every trade partner that they work with, every employee that's in the company. Finally, the business owner just said, I need you to look in the mirror for a second. What's the common denominator here? And mm. obviously for him, the common denominator is himself. So Part of this is some tough love that I'll give everybody to say that it's about looking in the mirror and it's about understanding that every time there is a failure or a success in your business, doesn't matter what industry you're in, it's really as a leader, that's what we want to be looking at is what was my involvement in basically the success or the failure and taking that sort of extreme ownership approach to say that. If someone fails, like I didn't provide them with enough context, strategy, tactics, tools, support, whatever it looks like, what could I do differently to get a better outcome the next time? Sure, people screw things up. Like I 
I've been in the construction industry a long time and I've screwed a lot of things up and a lot of people around me have screwed a lot of things up, but me yelling at them isn't going to change any outcome because they're, I'm not helping them with the support, the tools and all of that so that they don't make that mistake next time. One of the big things that we can do to start, if you haven't read the book by Jocko Wilnick, he's an ex-Navy SEAL guy. Some people obviously might be familiar with that book. The concept is really valuable. I think by midway through the book, it's just regurgitating the same thing over and over, but the concepts are really good. And I think the idea of, one of the things I've always done is lead with outcomes as opposed to tasks. And the extreme ownership approach is very much focused in that sort of realm. So I think looking in the mirror, understanding that when we succeed, it's the team that succeeds. When we fail, I have to look in the mirror and say, what did I, what didn't I do? What could I do better that's going to help my team in the future? Wow. That leads me into something that I know is really important to you. We talked about this a little bit is really investing in your people and giving them a career path and mapping that out for them and helping with that, letting them know that, hey, yeah, it might hurt a little today, but there's an outcome that we're after. We're not focused on today's task. We're on that outcome. Talk to us a little bit about that career roadmap and some things that people can do to really keep their people engaged. Because I see this firsthand. A lot of people tell me they have a hiring problem. And then I ask them how many W-2s they issued last year. They don't have a hiring problem. They have a retention problem. You're talking about pouring into your people, investing in them and teaching them and letting them know that they're part of this. Like They're part of the high stakes game that we're playing. That career roadmap is huge to that. So can you talk a little bit about that? Maybe plant some seeds for our listeners? Absolutely. I would say that first thing I'm going to say, and I'll come back to it, is that the number one tool for your success, if you have an organization with people or you're looking to hire people and grow your organization, is going to be this weekly status review meeting, this WSR. This is the central thing that's going to be the success point for your business. So let me back up and say that to start, we always want to lead with outcomes. We want to make sure that people understand what we're actually driving towards. And one of the things that kind of aligns with the Extreme Ownership book and just the concept as well, it's about decentralizing the command and meaning that if I give people, so a typical thing, I need to hire somebody, I go to Indeed, I look at a few job posts, or maybe I have a prior one that I've had, I copy paste and I mash something together that's about two pages long with 1200 words in it that I have to read through and people are just skimming. They don't really read all of that information. It's all just tasks. It's all, you're going to do this. You're going to do this. How many times have you seen or written must be able to work in a fast paced environment? Those words are in every single job post I've ever seen in my life. So the point is that A, we're not different. So coming back to your marketing point about we have to do something different to attract people. But point is we want to lead with outcomes. We want to help people understand how they're going to succeed. You'll be successful in this role if let's just say it's client experience and that we have the highest level of client experience and client satisfaction. I can use that So when we decentralize command, we put the decision-making as close to the front lines in your business as possible. We help them understand what we're trying to achieve. So specifically, let's say it's around communication, want high client experience, high client satisfaction. I can use that to maybe step outside the boundaries of when we normally communicate with a client, because I know that I'm serving that outcome as a, let's say, site superintendent or project manager. So we want to get really clear on all of that. We form our position agreement, which gets really clear on the outcomes and some of the specific job functions. And then that parlays into the career roadmap. So the career roadmap is actually something I would bring to every single interview. And I would show people, here is what it looks like if right now you're a carpenter, or this is what a lead carpenter's role is. This is what a site superintendent is. This is what a project manager's role is. And then ironically, as the general manager, people would, I would always ask them, where do you want to grow to? And they said, I don't know, maybe general manager one day. I was like, okay, I mean, I'm sitting right here. If you can do the job better than me, that's fine. Hopefully I'll find something else to do. But the idea is that we want to get really clear on 
the outcomes for each role and how it changes as you move through different positions. And this is what the roadmap really is destined to do. Now, the WSR that I talked about a moment ago, there's two sides to it. One, it's a production side. So we help people think through the problems. We're stick with the fishing analogy. We're teaching them to fish as opposed to fishing for them. It's very easy for I've done this many a times where we have a client that maybe is upset about something and I'm like, don't worry, I'll write the email and et cetera, et cetera, as opposed to helping them understand what the client's probably feeling, what we might want to think about when we respond and what are the outcomes of what we're going to respond with sort of things. Mm -hmm. That's an example. That's a tactical example of how I could change that. Instead of me just writing it, I can help them understand those three things, teaching them how to fish for themselves. And the career roadmap will help us to see just how we actually develop through all those stages. The second part, what things do I need to work on to go through those stages? So I had a lot of people that were, let's say, carpenters or leads that wanted to be superintendents or project managers. And I was teaching project management five o'clock on Wednesdays and anybody could join. And what I was helping them do is set some goals for themselves and actually regularly check in on those goals. So it's not necessarily a weekly thing, but let's say every four weeks or every six or every eight weeks, and definitely no longer than every 90 days, we want to check in. How have you advanced through these goals? What do you need from us? What are you committing to? What am I? What do I need to support you? What obstacles or roadblocks are you encountering? So this is about pouring into your people. This is about as I always say, once you hire somebody, that's when the real work begins because the recruiting part's actually easy. And there's a lot of people that are rolling their eyes right now because they're like, have you tried to hire somebody in the past three years? Really like the on, as you said, like you don't have a hiring problem, you have a recruiting problem. And this is the crux of what it means to develop people in your industry or in yeah. your business, I should say. Yeah. Wow. There's a whole episode of questions I have just from what you just <laughs> said, Brian. And I think it's great. The one thing that I really heard in that that I think all of our listeners should hit here is that your people want to know that you have a plan for them. That's right. And people when, want to and, be led. They want yeah. to be led. Yeah. Yeah. And when you sit down at the interview with that roadmap, they know that you're invested long-term. It's That's not right. just a, you'll work here until it doesn't work out, which is mm -hmm. how a lot of interviews go these days, right? You got a pulse, you can fog a mirror, you're hired. Candidates don't like that any more than you like that. I can tell yeah. you, the job seekers can't stand that. That's why they're not applying for these jobs anymore because they're tired of that. But yeah. if you could sit down and say, we've got this roadmap for you, we're going to show you and we're going to do it with you too. It's not just, here's the thing, good luck. Part of this together and we're doing these weekly status reports. There's so much value in investing in your people that way and building that relationship that I imagine even if you don't do that stuff perfectly, your retention will go through the roof. For sure. And it all comes back to culture, right? It all comes yeah. back to building a culture. And there's, when you show up in an interview with a career roadmap, it's that concept of reverent power. It's, this is just something we do. This is normal. This is part of who we are as an organization. These are yeah. our core values, et cetera, et cetera. And people want to be led. Interestingly enough, we were talking about, before we hopped on, we were talking about recruiting as like a marketing activity, which I agree with. The way I always talk about it is that your clients and your team members are basically the same group of people that you're selling to. If you think about it, and we're marketing, we're trying to attract them. We're trying to speak to the things that are going to drive them, the things that they're passionate about. And then there's the third sort of principle of what motivates human beings, which is autonomy. And by providing people with this roadmap and helping them see that they can actually move towards these different roles that give them more of that. These are the three things, right? So purpose, autonomy, and mastery, right? That's what's going to motivate me as a human being. So to your point, like just hiring me and then till it doesn't work out thing, there's nothing in it for me. I'm already out the door when I get in sort of thing. Yeah. 
Wow, this is great. So much stuff to unpack here. Hey, I know there are people listening right now that they're going to want to learn more. They've mm-hmm. heard what you've said, and I know you've got a wealth of knowledge beyond just what we can do in one episode here. How do people get a hold of you and how do they learn more? Yeah, the easiest way is the website constructionconsulting.co. And then I'm also very active at the same handle on Instagram. So you can send me a direct message there. And I post a lot of content and I'm pretty active on LinkedIn as well. If you just search for Brian Kaplan, Brian with a Y, Kaplan, K-A-P-L-A-N, and you'll be able to find me and you can book a time for us to speak directly through the website and happy to chat with everybody about their challenges. Awesome. And we'll have all those URLs in the show notes. So If you're behind the windshield right now listening to this, just know that when you get back to your (laughs) office that all those links will be there so you don't have to worry about taking notes. Brian, thank you so much for being on the show today. I've really enjoyed the conversation and I've learned a ton. Perfect. Thanks so much, Ryan. I appreciate it. The Blue Collar Culture Podcast is sponsored by bluecollarculture.com. We help entrepreneurs create a healthy culture and build a self-managing business. To learn more, go to bluecollarculture.com.